This episode of the YVR Screen Scene Podcast is brought to you by Fish Flight Entertainment. This episode was sponsored in part by listeners like you. Join our Patreon community and receive early access to episodes, bonus content, stickers, buttons, and more. Visit www.patreon.com slash YVR Screen Scene Podcast. Welcome to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast, where we pull back the curtain and expose the beating heart of the Vancouver film and television industry, namely the actors and filmmakers and other talented artists who do the work. Capital T, capital W. I'm Sabrina Ronnie Firminger, and today, well, today have I got something special for you. I am welcoming Dennis Heaton back to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast. Now, Dennis has been in the podcast hot seat a few times already over the years. We got his showrunner origin story in 2019. And in 2020, we grilled him and Shelly Erickson about The Order, their brilliant previous Netflix series that was shelved way too soon, according to me and most of Twitter. And earlier this year, Dennis joined me and screenwriter Rachel Langer for a special episode of our special series, Hashtag Industry BFS. That is a lot of Dennis Heaton. I know. That is three episodes of premium Heaton content. And yet he is back because I need to talk to him about the imperfects or yell at him about the imperfects. Basically, I need to have feelings in his general direction about the imperfects because that's what Dennis Heaton does for me and for a lot of people. He makes us have very big feelings about imaginary people and extraordinary circumstances who become very much alive for us on TV. The Imperfects are Tilda, Abby, and Juan, three 20-somethings who band together to hunt down the scientists responsible for turning them into monsters via experimental gene therapy and forcing him to make them human again. Tilda is a banshee. Abby is a succubus, and Juan is a chupacabra. But these monsters aren't nearly as monstrous as the non-monsterfied monsters they encounter in their journey. Ten episodes of The Imperfects dropped on September 8th and hit the Netflix top ten all over the world almost immediately, which is staggering considering that it was dropping around the same time as Cobra Kai. But that speaks to the deliciously rendered characters, to the nuanced performances of the leading trio, played by Morgan Taylor Campbell, Rihanna Jagpal, and Inaki Godoy, and veteran stars Italia Ricci, Reese Nicholson, and the goddamn forces of nature that are Rika Sharma and Kira Zagorski, and also to the writing and just how the entire conceit of the show sucks you in. Also, monsters are cool, and Gen Z monsters are a whole vibe. RIP my mentions if I'm using vibe incorrectly. The Imperfects got people talking about monsters and ethics and heroes and ids and choopies and made people feel big feelings. And so today we are going to do what we do and grill Dennis Heaton all about it. Dennis Heaton, Dennis fucking Heaton. Welcome back to the YVR Screen Scene Podcast. That's not my middle name. No, I I think it is now. I think it is. I've I've introduced you that way at least twice on this podcast. So I think it's like official now. Congratulations on on the Imperfects. And thank you. 
regarding that cliffhanger, how dare you? <laughs> first of all, first question. Let's talk about your previous relationship with monsters then. Because sure. um, y'all go back a long way, you and monsters. What, what fascinates you about monsters? And, and I want to hear some of your favorites. Because I know somebody is like you has got to have some favorites. Uh, probably the first monster. Um, the first monster that I would say I fell in love with was King Kong. Mm. The 33, um, uh, you know, the original. Black oh, gee, King Kong. I love that movie. I watched it. I, I was like seven or eight and I watched it. With what was it? Do you remember being that age and, and just loving it? Like what what what, were, it what was, did it, it do was, for you? It was something I, you, you know, you're looking at a giant ape rampaging across, you know, New York and you're just like, this is amazing. Mm. This is the greatest day of my life kind of thing. Um, you know, and it was, it was, I, you know, I think, you know, I've, and I've talked about this and maybe even talked about this with you before. Like I started watching horror movies because my dad worked night shift mm. at the post office and he would come home on a Friday night and, you know, he'd stay, you know, you come home from work, you don't go straight to bed. So he'd stay up, watch a little TV. He'd come and wake me up and he'd be like, Hey, there's really cool horror movie and you want to watch it i was like yeah and so i'd get up and we'd watch like these you know we'd watch old horror movies together like you know you know Mm. midnight 2 a.m kind of thing and then i'd go back to bed and then i'd wake up the next morning and and you know this was this was when like you had to actually turn a dial to to watch tv we had a, a cable box that allowed us to get some um channels from the states and there was a channel called uh, KST Washington, and they would show sci-fi theater mm. on Saturday. So I'd stay up all night watching horror movies with dad, get up on Saturday, watch horror movies on KST Washington. It was just like it just like became my thing. That's like a villain origin story. <laughs> it <really is. laughs> Yeah, sure. And, yeah. <laughs> and, and uh, but King Kong, King Kong is the first one I remember. Like, that's the one that I'm cognizant of, of being like, this is amazing. And then yeah. it was like Frankenstein. And then it was the Wolf Man. And then it was like the amazing Colossal Man. And then, you know, uh, you know, the reptile zombie. Like, it just like it just sort of skyrocketed. And, um, you know, and it, it's interesting because. Well, maybe it's this, maybe it's boring as fuck, but I, you know, sort of uh, several years ago was like looking at my body of work and realizing that a very common theme through a lot of it is the friendships between the human and the unhuman. Mm. And so really unconventional macabre friendships were something that I was very much drawn to. So you're a big old softy. That's what you are, Dennis uh, Eaton. I guess. <laughs> I, you know, I, I think it's, you know, the thing about Kong is he's the victim in mm. that movie, right? Like, you know, it's the end of the movie. They're like, hey, the airplane's got him. I'm like, this is not, this is not something to be proud of, yeah. you assholes. You just shot, like, you know, you just shot and killed you know, this giant ape that you abducted from his home. Yeah, yeah. You know, and so, like, like I had a lot of empathy for Kong. You know, I had a lot of empathy for Frankenstein's monster because it's like, 
he didn't ask to be made yeah or brought back to life so right? you're like an advocate for the misunderstood monsters yeah, well out there. i mean and definitely in the imperfects you know the you know the monsters are you know you know they're extremely sympathetic and the mm-hmm. mad scientist and and you know i was i was you know, we were watching a couple episodes last night. It's like the mad scientists are the true villains. Mm-hmm. All of them. All of them. Like, like if you like, like in the show, no, there's no scientist that isn't a mad scientist. Whether they're them. working at a university or, you know, working in a lab in their house or, you know, or, you know, the awesome Candace McClure. They're all they're all kind of dangerous and and selfish and so you know which you know probably says a lot about what i think about big pharma um so you know it's it's yeah like i see i see the humanity in the monstrous and i see the monstrous in the human which Mm. you know as i say it out loud i'm like oh god that was pretentious dude But it's, it's okay. true. It's okay. It's, that answer like, was not know, representative it, of the writing on the show. It, no, it's I, like my I, pal, my pal. Sorry to interrupt. My pal Satan, Fido, <laughs> um, the order. Right. Yeah, it's all order. about. It's all about the relationships between, um, you know, between the abnormal. The starting point was a dinner with you know uh, Chad and Mike from Nomadic and Chris Regina from Netflix, uh, Shelley Erickson and I um and um uh the late david von aiken who mm-hmm. directed the pilot for the order and was in vancouver directing uh, a season two episode of the order the uh um the one with uh, uh jason Priestley and ian Ziering in it mm. and we had it was you know september we were still in production at that time we went out for dinner and you know we just started talking about other shows that you know other show ideas and stuff like that and you know like Shelly and I and Chris were like we all like mad scientists what you know what could we do that we haven't seen with a mad scientist show yeah and and a monsters and mad scientist show Shelly and I you know retreated back to our offices and uh developed you know this premise of you know we wanted to have extremely sympathetic monsters and, um, you know, really detail their struggle um, to, you know, fix themselves, mm-hmm. you know, and then ask those questions of, you know, what, you know, what is the nature of, hum- you know, what is the nature of my humanity kind of thing. And, and so, you know, there was, you know, there was a lot of that that we were discussing. And then we sort of cottoned onto this idea of, you know, the sort of absentee parentism that you see in a lot of mad scientist movies where the mad scientist creates a monster and then just tosses it out the door. Mm. And the monster is, you know, left to sort of, you know, struggle through the world, gets into trouble. And everybody's like, this fucking monster, you know, and then usually they, you know, it's like, you know, it's like half the Marvel movies are, we're, you know, Tony Stark's a hero. Tony Stark caused the problem in the first place. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, lest well, we forget. Yeah. Yeah. Lest we forget Tony Stark. Anyways, <laughs> um, 
We are not sympathetic to Tony Stark on this podcast (laughs) at all. That's a monster that we don't support. Billionaires should not be allowed to wear super suits. Um, So um, so that was that was the genesis of the show. And then um, the monsters themselves um, were actually a request from Netflix. And and Chris, Chris said, you know, we wrote up the pitch and we were, you know, and we we're like, oh, you know, this guy can turn to stone and this person can, you know, this person thinks their power is, you know, telepathy, but they can actually just talk to animals, you know. So we were coming up with all these, you know, things that people could have could have developed. And Chris was like, oh, you know, we'd like a chupacabra, a succubus and a, and a banshee, please. And we were like, OK. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> went went back to the drawing board to you know to figure out how to do that because you know you're you're dealing with you're dealing with you know two creatures that are supernatural mm-hmm. and you know one creature that was you know you know it's definitely paranormal and you know but it's a cryptid kind of thing yeah but there's a lot of different there's a lot of different ideas about what a chupacabra is. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so we were like, how do we, how do we take these three creatures that don't exist in a science fiction format? Right. And how do we turn them into a science fiction format? So, and that's why, that's why it's, you know, in the first episode, you know, they're kind of, they're looking, you know, Tilda's looking for ways to, conceptualize what they are right so like when she says you know you know she's like you know they're sitting on the bench and she's like okay well you know uh, a banshee uh, i guess a succubus and uh, uh you know a werewolf and one's like hey i'm a chupacabra yeah and, and they're like okay and <laughs> uh you know and then off we go kind of thing so you know it's it's like it's like they're the and I think actually, if I, you know, if I recall it correctly, they're the only three who sort of quantify themselves that way. The, you know, like yeah, I'm scrolling like through the Zoe, episodes in my mind. Yeah. Zoe doesn't call herself like a star child or anything like that. And, yeah. you know, Owen, Owen is convinced he's a superhero. And, you know, and that's that's, you know, that was, you know, that episode was created specifically so that we could have this whole conversation about, you know, making lemonade from lemons mm-hmm. kind of thing which owen is like you know we've got this opportunity we should take it and you know abby Wan and tilda are firmly in the you know our lives are shit yeah because of these powers these abilities you know let's you know let's get rid of them yeah kind of thing take me into the writer's room how would you describe its energy you know and and like what were some of the themes or characters or stories that were super divisive if at all i don't divisive i yeah were there any throwdowns where you're like team choopy and they're like no man team succubus and like it's not war oh oh, okay well definitely (laughs) i mean i mean everybody always gets their favorite character Right. And it was funny because you have favorites. I thought the showrunners are supposed to love all their characters equally. But no, the writers... but like parents. Yeah. There's, there's a child <laughs> you like more. <laughs> Who's I, yours? Who's yours? I, are you... I don't. That's why I don't have children. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I was like, I can't make this decision. 
Um, it's funny, like, like thinking back to it, I think, um, at the very beginning, Abby, Shelly, Shelly was like, why are you guys picking on Abby so much? And I'm like, I don't think we're picking on Abby. She's like, you're picking on Abby. Stop picking on Abby. And I'm like, okay. I mean, in, in Shelly's defense, I mean, of, of the, those three characters, Abby is the one who is not the artist. At, like, so, because for listeners who haven't watched yet, and honestly, go and watch the episode. Go watch 10 episodes. Come back. Welcome yes. back. Tilda, you know, is the, the lead singer in a band. Juan is a graphic artist. And Abby, scientist, right? You know, so I can see like the, like maybe the, the artists in the writer's room, maybe picking on the, the scientist. Uh, I wonder if that's, that's, that's a good theory. I mean, I, I thought Abby was an artist. Her art was science. Well, yes, that's true. right. Like, let's be, you know, <laughs> I'm just rolling out the pretension today. You are uh, delicious. <laughs> <laughs> Um, um, yeah, I mean, like, I really, like, honestly, I did. I thought, I thought, well, Abigail, you know, and not Abigail, Abby, Abby's art is, is what she does. Like, that's, Mm -hmm. that's what her, you know, it's, it was more about what's their passion. Mm. And she was passionate about science. And, uh, you know, and what I liked about that for that character is that gave her a foot in both worlds, right? Like, just Mm -hmm. as being a uh you know being a succubus gave her a, a foot in you know in the world with Juan and Tilda as being you know the sort of victims of the mad scientist yeah um you know she was also you know capable to understand what the mad scientists were talking about yeah and and you know sort of have her foot in that as well yeah. and you know and and you know and we definitely wanted to make sure that you know she had agency in her own in her own resolution so i think that this is i mean you've kind of alluded to this but i I want this kind of on the record so where do you stand on genetic experimentation do you think that dr sarkov or dr fuck off as kira calls him at one point is justified you know in his research do you think this kind of thing could be done ethically oh god no but (laughs) There's no, honestly, there's no ethics and, you know, you know, it's kind of like, there's no crying in baseball. I'm not sure there's any ethics in science, Mm. (laughs) but, Mm -hmm. you know, at the same time, I'm not, you know, I'm not opposed to the idea of experimentation. So what does it say about me? I mean, you know, it's, it's like I was, there was a news report in the times a couple of months ago where they were like, well, they've reanimated the dead cells of pigs. <laughs> so. Oh, no. Yeah, like. like. Oh, I miss that. Oh, no. Like, like I was just like, you, you guys know where this is going. <laughs> they're like, nah, nah, we're, they're like, we can, we can use this now to keep necrotic, you know, organs alive longer for transplant. I'm like, yeah, that's not what's going to happen. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm like, See, every <laughs> single piece of sci-fi ever made on this topic. I'm sharpening, you know, I'm sharpening hatchets and, you know, <laughs> storing water. I'm like, this is it, man. This is this is the this is the zombie apocalypse. Well, you'll be ready for it because of all of your research into this. Exactly. Okay, let, let's get exactly. into into production and filming. Sure. Then um, I always love when I 
I quote unquote discover, didn't discover them, but when I'm seeing actors that I haven't seen before for the first time, your leading trio, they are revelations to me. I'm talking about Morgan, Rihanna, and Inaki. What can can you talk about each one of them and, and what they they bring to their roles, what special qualities? They bring to their roles as the banshee, the succubus, mm. the chuka, chupacabra. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, it's, and again, that's that, that's that's not something I can take full credit for, and and won't. Don't like, humble you know, today, Mister Heaton. Well, it's you know, it's, <laughs> team effort. It's a team. It's always a team effort, right? Like we've got like such you know little time to make a show, and you have all these brains around. You take advantage of as many as you can, mm. kind of thing. Which I think you know that's that's like you know a, now we're talking like showrunner philosophy. Mm. Um, but Chad Oaks, who's you know, you know one of the owners of nomadic and and you know the ep on the show he's like a he's he's a cast whisperer like he's he's really dialed into you know finding talent yeah and uh you know and it was also a testament to you know again chris at netflix about you know how they wanted you know how they wanted the show to feel who they wanted you know you know, who they wanted to see playing those characters. And I, of course, had an opinion on who I wanted to see playing those characters. And, you know, it's it's the sort of, you know, it's the standard kind of thing of, you know, who fits the bill. Hmm. Um, and, you know, it's it's like Rihanna, Morgan, and uh, Inyaki all just nailed it, right? It they all just nailed their auditions. Like when we saw them, it was like, Oh, well, that was easy. Cause there's, you know, there's Juan, there's Tilda, there's yeah. Abby. Um, you know, it was like, it was funny because I'd say probably the character, the character that took the longest to cast was Sarkov. And, and really? it, yeah, well, and I, you know, the issue behind that was we had, when we had started to write the show, we had written Sarkov in a very traditional, uh, you know, sort of paterfamilias, you know, silver fox, mad right. scientist kind of way. It's like, you know, he, you know, and, and we were, you know, we were running through names of like, you know, some very, you know, talented and experienced actors, um, you know, who would fit that kind of, um you know, patriarchal role. Right. And none of them were landing for us. Like they weren't landing for Chris. They weren't landing for me and Chad. And it was, we were on a call and we were like, we were, you know, basically sucking wind trying to figure out something. And I said, let's Doogie Hauser him. And that was like, and, and it was kind of like a joke. I was, I was like, cause I was kind of, you know, we were getting, you know, the, you know, the conversation was like, we were circling and then, no, no, you know, this person's good. Yeah, they're good, but we've seen that. And, and I, you know, and then I said, let's Doogie Hauser, we should Doogie Hauser this character and get like a 12 year old. Mm. And we all laughed. And then Chris went, you know, that's not, that's not the dumbest thing you've ever said in your life. And, and I said, well, uh, you know, hold my beer. And, uh, um, but, you know, it was like, let's explore the idea of Sarkoff being a younger character mm -hmm. uh, than an older one. And I went back and I went, okay, so he's, you know, we meet him now as an adult, but he's only like, 
you know, he's only supposed to be a few years older than yeah. Abby Wan and Tilda, which is why I love it when he calls them children and young people. <laughs> um, and it was Chad who had just watched Reese's um, Netflix special. The Netflix special, yeah. And Chad went, <laughs> I think we should audition this guy. <laughs> and that's that's how Reese, you know, that's how we landed on, you know, that's how we landed on our Sarkov. And, uh, you know, and that that was great because, you know, it was funny wow. because Italia was like, Italia finds out that it's, you know, Reese and, you know, what the, you know, the character age and history is going to be. She's like, so I'm still not like, I'm still not having sex with him, am I? <laughs> we're like, yeah, probably not. Wow. Yeah. Thank you. That I feel like that was a wonderful example of you bringing us into the writer's room, which, as oh, you know, okay. I live for. Yeah. Um, you directed yes. the final block of episodes. Yeah. I actually want to go back to, to your IMDb, which, yes, I know there, it's not always accurate to be like, has he done this before? I don't think I've seen written and directed by Dennis Heaton before. It's yeah, not, so what? Not on a, not on a, like I did it on it, you know, shorts and stuff like that. But no, that was, that was the first. Tell me about the, the discoveries that you made about yourself as a storyteller, you know, while you were on set, you know, not sitting in the showrunner chair or the writer chair, you know, but as the director, like that must have been, that must have been something. It was great. It was great. And it was, um, you know, it was uh, a testament to my, you know, again, to the the team that I was working with, that I was, um, you know, able to to sort of sit down in that chair and, and do that job, um, you know, because, you know, I've toyed with the idea of directing over the years. I've done short films mm -hmm. um, for sure, but I've never you know, I'd never really thought of directing as a career decision um, in and of itself. Um, but, you know, circumstances required me to yeah. uh, take over, take over the director's chair uh, on that final block. And, um, you know, uh, I, you know, I know I wouldn't have been able to do it if, if my crew, you know, weren't, you know weren't the crew that they were like you know they just you know they made they made it look easy for me yeah and um uh you know and i think also i think also it's the fact that like i've been on set for you know how many years watching other directors do the job so you know there was a bit of an osmosis kind of understanding yeah of what i needed to be doing in that position but i i think you know one of the biggest sort of one of the biggest sort of things that i saw as the difference was i went from being there with the thirty thousand foot view of the show to the three foot view of the show mm. and and it was like i have to you know i have to think about this you know moment not just in the sense of what it means for the entire series but what it means for this moment Mm. And and um, really, um, really be present with mm. the actors and to be talking about those moments because, you know, I'd, it was interesting. So, like, you know, I'd say like one of the biggest things I noticed is my conversations with the cast on set changed from the sort of showrunner position mm. to the the director position. 
Yeah. What was your favorite day on set? Um, like all of them. <laughs> no, I'm just, not letting that answer, I, Sam. No. <laughs> okay. How about how about this? Give me, uh, give me a, a memorable day. Give me a memorable a four, day. It was a 14 day shoot. Um, I mean, there's one day that was like the very last day was memorable for a situation that was entirely out of my control, and I'm still furious about. Oh. Which was, uh, it was our last day of filming. Our wonderful caterers had set up a a farewell uh lunch for us and it got shut down by the maple ridge police because of a uh, uh a standoff and they were like yeah you're not you're not serving any of that food um so they had this like you know amazing amazing you know banquet set up for the cast and crew and uh um yeah the cops were like nope not happening so that that was that was memorable um but that was also that was also the day i'm trying to decide what i can talk about because some of that stuff is spoilers um that was the day we had reese and his make i'll I'll put it this way that was the day we had reese and his makeup for the ending of the season yeah uh and and that was a that was a fun thing to shoot um uh you know the alley stunt with the bully uh mm. was it was a fun day uh to shoot um uh you know getting getting to bring you know it's there's there's like there was something every day like getting to bring owen you know back from episode five for for a story beat was a lot of fun it was wes mack yeah. mckinnis it's wes yeah. mack you know yeah. like music superstar because i was like watching I'm like i know how do i know this I know yeah. this actor, and then I looked it up. I'm like, the fuck? "Wow, you're casting." Yeah, no casting. Phenomenal. Casting is great. Yeah. So, um, amazing. You know, I'd, say, I'd say the first the first three days were like heart pounding terror, mm-hmm. where I was like, "What's going on? Where do I go? Where do I stand?" You Who were I the monster. To? You were yeah. you were taking in some of those monster feelings yourself. Yeah. Um, it's been really fun to hit the imperfects hashtag on Twitter and read all of the responses. I mean, because, oh, you know, I, okay. uh, <laughs> I don't do it. Well, the, I, I, I can't I, do it. I, you my... absolutely can. If you want to people love, love, love the show. I was lucky. I watched the show with my kid. Uh, who is this age where she loves scary stuff. She loves relationship stuff. She loves watching cool people doing cool stuff on screen. She's in love with Tilda. Like that is her, that is who she wants to be in her life. Um, So I have somebody to talk to about it, but then when I've exhausted talking to her about it, then I'm like, I want to see what people on Twitter are saying. Um, But the main thing that people want to know is, can you confirm yet a season two? Do we know what, if, no, I can't. I can't confirm it. Yet. Can't it's, confirm. It's, I mean, we're just we're just out of the first week. Yeah. Today. Oh, yesterday, I guess, was, you know, we premiered last Thursday, the 8th. Um, you know, we're doing very well globally. Yeah. Um, And and I am like I, I am thrilled. I am thrilled to hear about your experience with twitter and the hashtag because i think there's a setting in my laptop which is you know which i can't find which is only show dennis the negative stuff 
or something because it's like you know <laughs> that or your it's monster just, superpower it's you my, just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'm just so able to like you know look at a screen and like zero in on like the negative words so i want more the imperfects my kid Thank wants you. more the imperfects vancouver Film industry, we need the imperfects. So it was a wonderful showcase for talent. Besides, you know, Kira and Reka, it was a joy to see John Cassini, you know, yeah. uh, have a wonderful I love product. setting John yeah. Cassini on fire. <laughs> I'm going to make that like, it's, it's like I, John, John and I, when John was on set, I was laughing. I'm like, I only hire you if I'm going to kill you. Because <laughs> when I had him on motive, it was like, yeah, you're, you're going to die. <laughs> <laughs> it's I, think funny in that, I think in that we killed him with a hammer so it was like that was pretty vicious. the sweetest man too and but funny yeah. enough like you know kira and john are like famously very dear friends offset so i know oh that yeah them. yeah oh, no and they were wonderful they loved, <laughs> yeah they had a lot of fun setting john on fire that day yeah um, and candace Europe and reka you know, so oh, it, yeah. it's just a wonderful showcase for talent. And honestly, yeah. like I just I need more well, monsters. We I, all need more monsters. What do I've we told do? you what I what I'm like doing with my shows? I'm sure I've mentioned this before. Uh, well, it's it my on. it's my mission to meet the entire cast of Battlestar Galactica <laughs> by hiring them to be on my shows. So they have to talk to me. So <laughs> uh, funnily enough. That's the reason that I have this podcast. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. I've had I've had uh, Candace. Um, <laughs> I have had Reka and I've had Tomo, you yeah. know, and uh, there's a, you know, a few others in town that I'd like to yeah. uh, like to get on the show. So yeah. I think we're we're uh, we're very uh, united in just, that. We yeah. should just do a special episode of YBR screen scene where it's just you and me. And it's like all the cast of Battlestar Galactica walk in. They're like, what the hell is going on here? We're like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> If I want more episodes and I want more episodes, what do I need to do to get more episodes? What can fans do to help make this happen? Who do we need to talk to? Who do we need to tweet at? Um, I mean, obviously tweet at Netflix okay. um, and instead yeah. Netflix and, and, you know, let them know, you know, let them know how much you love the show. The metrics are clearly, you know, an important part of, uh, um, you know, it's an important part of how Netflix makes their decision. So, mm -hmm. you know, if if you're like, you know, enjoying the show, watch it all the way through within the first two or three weeks kind yeah. of thing. Like, um, you know, the slow burn doesn't seem to the slow burn show doesn't seem to exist anymore. Mm. Right. Like, yeah, you know, and this is and I'm not. I'm not trying to just talk about Netflix here. This is like the industry Yeah, is, is like, I remember, you know, like, like think about, you know, breaking bad and everybody being like, I'm a huge fan of breaking bad. People didn't start having that conversation until about season four. That's true. Right. Yeah. Same with sons of anarchy. Everybody was like, Oh my God, sons of anarchy is the greatest show ever made about, you know, motorcycle gangs. It's like true. But nobody started having that conversation until about season three. Yeah. Kind of thing. Right. Like there was a there was a bit of a slow burn opportunity that shows had to develop an audience, to develop a fan base. Yeah. Um, you know, thanks to cable cable channels who had a lower threshold, uh, you know, requirement for their audiences than, yeah. you know, than like, a, you know, like FXX had you know or fx had, had had smaller audience requirements than fox yeah, yeah. Thing. 
right? Like Fox, NBC, ABC, CBS were all like, it's the numbers have to be huge. And cable was like, oh, the numbers have to be good. Mm. Right. You know, and they, they, you know, and it was cable that started the 13 episode seasons. Right. right? Like, okay, well, we'll just do 13 of these and, you know, we'll see what happens. And then it was like, you know, they'd repeat it, you know, a couple of times and, and they would gradually build their audience. And, and we, don't have that opportunity as much anymore to to do that like mm-hmm. there you know it's like th- there was a i don't know do you watch barry no the, the bill hater they did i a, know it's on the list i have a long list hey, of stuff to watch I, I, <laughs> there's I, so I, much to watch but that's that's the other thing is like when you know there's so much that you want to see you might not be able to get to yeah you know the show that you want to watch within that window that would you know benefit that benefit show it. yeah sorry barry i'm so yeah. sorry barry. No, I, yeah. I think i think barry's <laughs> doing fine okay they don't need us. sabrina yeah yeah um but barry barry did this whole sort of thing about the nature you know they did this hyper version about the nature of streaming mm. and and it's like you know and i'm forgetting you know i can remember barry's character's name because it's the name of the show <laughs> but you know his his girlfriend gets a show on a streamer and it's like it starts up you know that morning and it's like the number one show on rotten tomatoes it's like mm. you know a huge hit and then within an hour she's getting the email that it's canceled which is totally a hyper you know hyper version of that but that's that's kind of how it feels to people i think where it's like i love this show what do you mean it's canceled yeah right you know and i still you know i still get i still get you know one to five tweets a week asking for you know and you know you know minimum asking for another season of of the order which i would love to do i'd love to do a a reunion movie. I'd love to do a send off mm. film. I'd love to do a Christmas special. Um, you know, and it's, and it's like, it's, you know, yeah. as I keep telling people <laughs> on my Twitter feed, was it my decision? Yeah. Talk to Netflix. I will say yeah. uh, there, there is a, there are, there is definitely a, a order Easter egg uh, in a couple of the episodes uh, in, in the form of a special guest star. So. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh no, there's, there's, Matthew. there's a few, there's, there's a, few, uh, yeah. there's, there's one, there's a visual uh, Easter egg in episode 10. Um, and there was going to be an audio Easter egg, but I we just ran out of time. And uh, But I'll tell you what it was going to be because I thought it was awesome. I was going to do... Uh, uh, it was actually our, um, our music... Uh, our music supervisor, Natasha Dupre, who did a killer job picking the songs for this show. Oh, yeah. Um, I feel you, much cooler and hipper after watching this show because of the music. I mean, look at my head. Does this look like the head of somebody who could pick that music? <laughs> of course not. Um, the um, We were talking about Dr. Burke's lab and what kind of music Dr. Burke would listen to and, and you know, what what could we... You know, what could we do to avoid, you know, uh, you know, any any sort of, you know, sort of feeling, you know, you know, cliched, mm-hmm. um, you know, and and Natasha said, what if she's listening to murder podcasts? And from that, we riffed out this idea that 
she's listening. She's listening to a podcast about all the shit that happened at Belgrave University. And I would write this pod, this crime series podcast that told the story of season three in podcast form on the imperfects. And, and it was like, I was was like, this would be hilarious. I was going to do the voice of the podcast. And it was, it was like the opening line, the opening line of the podcast was going to be the last time I saw Jack Morton, he was walking into the forest, carrying his dead girlfriend's body and a leather bound book. (laughs) (laughs) It was going to be this whole, like, my God, this whole thing where it was just like this, this guy, he had gone to high school with, with Jack and he knew all yeah you know, he had gone he had gone to high school with Jack he ended up at Belgrave University with him they weren't particularly close in high school but he kept running into him all over the campus wow. and it would always be Dennis. like it would always oh be like God. at these moments from like the series where it was like you know i bumped into him and his grandfather having lunch by the fountains and i decided not to approach because they appeared to be fighting uh you know a week later his his grandfather was dead uh the circumstances were tragic and quite un, quite bizarre <laughs> kind of thing wow. <laughs> it like, and it would Man. just track out like the whole it would have just tracked out like the whole like the whole third season of the order would have been hidden in these podcasts in the show and it was can we just was... like cut this whole part and you just do this in season two <laughs> well see the thing is is i've actually you know i i thought about doing it as a podcast but again it's like there's so many so many rights issues in terms of what i can Mm. and can't do with the show right now so it's just like it's constantly in a wait and see yeah um it's kind of thing but like you know uh, you know gorman gorman lee and i uh gorman was one of the writers on the imperfects Mm -hmm. he he was a writer on the order we were on set of the imperfects one day and it you know it was one of those sort of moments where we actually you know it's like you know documents were in being being um you know noted by the by by the execs and you know so i was in a holding pattern waiting waiting for feedback and um you know, Gorman and I were on set and we just started like, okay, what's the, what's the order reunion movie look like? How does it start? And so we (laughs) moved out, but I'm, you know, like I said, I know what the movie could be because like, you know, we've got this whole, we've got this whole thing riffed out and, Mm. you know, it could be, you know, you know, I've got, you know, there's a notebook somewhere in this office that you know that has all of my notes for season three of the order amazing which which, you know i would love i would dearly love it to see the light yeah so people tweet about the imperfects tweet about the order um just just tweet tweet your love for the work of dennis eaton uh dennis thank you for being here today Oh my God. Thank you. It's always fun, Sabrina. Always fun. And you're just, you're just so, you're just so game for my questions. And, and I appreciate that um, you let me yell at you and say my feelings <laughs> at you. 
Um, this is a safe space. I mean, it's your show, <laughs> so it better be. I don't want it to be that safe. I want it to be a little bit like fly by the city of pants. Where yeah. can people find you, follow you on social media? Not in real life. We've done a alone. Damn. Yeah. Come on, guys. I'm trying to eat my burrito. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I am um, Heaton Actual on Instagram. Dennis Heaton 2 on Twitter. Don't try to friend me on Facebook unless you went to high school with me. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of keep face. Facebook is friends and family. Understood. Um, Understood. You know, if you reach out and I barely, I barely ever look at my LinkedIn account. So don't take that one personally. Who uses link? No, granted. Paul uses it. My husband uses LinkedIn. They use it in like BFX and it. stuff. But yeah. I have one. But all I do, like all it seems to do for me is I get emails from like, hey, have you seen what this person is doing? Yeah. And I'm like, I no, I haven't because I yeah. on Twitter. Damn yeah. it. OK, Um. so everybody. Find the imperfects on Netflix. Please. Oh, Dennis and you're also working on something else right now, right? There was yes. an announcement yes. made recently. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> oh, right. This isn't video. There's no point showing you the book. <laughs> I'll show you the book anyway. Yeah, sh- show us the book. Show us the this book. This is the magic of radio, everyone. Yeah. Podcasting, Dennis. Well, I'm old. Take <laughs> two. This is the magic of podcasting, everyone. The uh, The theater of the mind. This is the book. It's blood red. The Amityville Curse by Hans Hans Holzer. Hans Holzer, yeah. Parapsychologist. Yep. Wrote a couple of, uh, uh, I know he wrote at least one nonfiction book on the Amityville hauntings. And then uh, wrote this this novel. And I get to write it. And, and you're I'm, breathing life into it. Wow. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, it's crazy horror in Long Island. So you're basically steeped right now in in monsters and in horror and murder. Yes. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Yeah. Well, we'll do it's, another episode down the road about how uh, your brain is doing and your heart and your soul. Live steeped in all of this material. Well, thank you, Dennis Heaton, for being with us today. Everybody, watch The Imperfects. Hashtag The Imperfects and tweet at Netflix. Okay, listeners, thank you for being here today. Please like, subscribe, leave us a review if you are so inclined. Now let's find more listeners and then we can keep having Dennis Heaton back on the show and also get the cast of Battlestar Galactica to guest on his show and guest on mine you can find us at www.yvrscreenscene.com follow us on twitter and facebook and instagram at yvrscreenscene and at sabrina the yvr screenscene podcast is hosted and executive produced by me sabrina ronnie mara firminger i'm the only one to blame and it's edited by simon firminger special thanks to mariana firminger for recording our patreon ad and also for watching the imperfects with me that was she shared her candy with me to Paul Furminger for technical support and to Dane, not Furminger Devil A for the original music. Why we are screen scene is a division of fish flight entertainment. Join us next time for another deep dive into Vancouver's dynamic film and television scene and cut. This ad begins with a story about an important but largely forgotten piece of Hollywood North history. The Fish Flight. 
In the 1980s, the fish flight was an early morning flight from Vancouver that delivered fresh fish to Los Angeles before the start of the business day. These were the early days of Hollywood North, before digital deliveries and fast transfer speeds, and the pioneers of the Vancouver film industry began loading up the fish flight with film reels so Hollywood execs could review the footage shot on the previous day. The fish flight was also one of the building blocks of the visual effects and animation mecca that is present-day Vancouver. And Fish Flight Entertainment builds on this legacy. Fish Flight Entertainment serves the games, film, and television industries. We remember the days of the fish flight and attack our projects with the same passion as those pioneering days of yore. We believe in jumping off the cliff and building our wings on the way down. And who knows? That old fish with improvised wings may even fly. Learn more about Fish Flight Entertainment at fishflightentertainment.com. That's fishflightentertainment.com.